Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Buenos dias, Foothills. There you go. I'm uh, super excited that you're here. Welcome to all of us that are here today. Welcome the person next to you, and especially welcome to those that are joining us. And why don't we all welcome Pendleton Campus, who's joining us right now. Amen. We see you, Pendleton. We got a lot of people that we love and care in Pendleton, so it is amazing to see them joining us. And uh, as you know, probably now, by now, English is not my first language. <laughs> I'm Ramfis Mulier, Foothills Espanol pastor. And uh, before I, I share the word, and I'm super excited about the word that I want to share with you today, but uh, I want to take a moment to thank you all. Thank you from the pastors to the staff to every single one of you, the way you guys have received my wife and I here within the Foothills family, it's been an honor. Thank you. We did not expect so much love, and the way you have embraced us has been amazing to us. Thank you. And uh, you're giving me the opportunity to launch Foothills Español. We're about to start going in September. We're going to go from the first Sunday of the month to the first and third Sunday of the month. So... And you probably noticed that the group is growing. You see some Latinos and Hispanics hanging around. And uh, if you want to know how many we are and see more of us, join us at the 11 o'clock service. That's usually when they come. And we have translation for those that do not understand English. But um, I'm, like I said, I'm super excited to, to share the word today because if you know me, you know that I love getting in the word and, and digging in the word. I, it's okay to read, but I, I, what really gets me is, is the fact that I have an opportunity to, to dig in and, and find things that the Bible says, but also the things that the Bible doesn't necessarily say. And, and this is, for me, the, the best series ever to do that. Because, as you know, last week we started the, the series called Spin-Off, and it's the season two. And what we're trying to do is find those secondary characters. Those people that the Bible doesn't say a whole lot, that preachers don't use to preach, and that we probably haven't heard much about them. And what we're trying to do is find in them different principles that we could learn from them that would bring us closer to God. So what an opportunity. You can't imagine how excited I got when I, when I learned about the, the theme. And, and I said, uh, 
I, I, I got I to gotta get in there and find somebody, somebody who, who the Bible speaks highly of, maybe, maybe a mighty warrior, somebody who, 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 who did something, who conquered the enemy. And then I thought, well, no, maybe, maybe a prophet, somebody who was used by God and, and we could talk about to be used by God. So yes, he has to be a prophet. But then I said, oh my God, it would be amazing if I find a queen, a queen. Okay, I was expecting a little more than that, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, I, I, I'm glad I didn't speak about queens, right? But, but um, so I, I started digging in and, and, and looking into something and, or, or someone that was used by God. But I wanted to, to talk about someone who was used by God with no complaints, no excuses, that accepted whatever God said upon them with, with the fact that I'm, I am answering to the God who created me and therefore there are no questions asked. But before I tell you the story that I found, because I found one, before I tell you that, let me, let me share with you what really drove my heart into that. I think if we want to know what God is saying to the church and where God is taking us as a church, it's important that we sit back a little and think about the messages that have been spoken in this house in the last few weeks. So I did that the other day and I started thinking how, how many of you remember when, when our pastors preach about saying yes to God? With no holds back, just saying yes to whatever it is that he's inviting us to. And, 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 and we also heard about God inviting you into a plan that he has already established. We also heard about all you need to do is take the next step. The Holy Spirit empower us to tell our story. No coincidence, everything is pre-planned. And then last week we heard God uses ordinary people. So when I think about that, it seems to me that God is trying to position us as a church for something that he's about to do, but he wants to use every single one of us. I don't know if you would understand that, but listen, whenever you go home, meditate on the fact, why would God put sermon after sermon, sermon after sermon, challenging us to say yes to his plan to be part of what he wants to do so we could embrace our role into what God is already doing. And, and, and for me, it's important that, that we understand that when God is about to do something, God will only or primarily use his people. And, and when, when I'm talking about being used by God, Let me be very clear, especially if you're visiting us for the first time or you've been visiting a few weeks and you, don't, you didn't grow up in church so you don't understand the trauma, I mean the, the honor that was growing up in church. <laughs> um, uh, and, and you don't understand some of the lingo we use at church. When, when you hear a preacher saying something about being used by God, there are a lot of videos from YouTube that pop up in your head. I want to make sure you understand That's not what I'm talking about. Those people that are saying crazy stuff on TV or on YouTube and they're speaking crazy and they're saying that if you want to be blessed and used by God, you got to buy the water for a thousand dollars and you'll be, that, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? So let me try to put it very simple. When I speak about being used by God, 
I'm speaking about the original plan that God came up at the moment where Adam sinned. Right there on the spot, God declared, I have a plan, you have sinned, but I have a plan that has been established where my son Jesus will die. How many of you understand that? At the moment of the sin, God said, I have a plan that I will send my son Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary so he could reconnect you all to me and so you could live eternity with me. In that plan, he established something that we have to embrace. That that message will be spoken by us. For me, I don't know if, if you agree with me. But for me, that is such an honor. That God is saying, I have a plan. But in that plan, it is my people that will tell the world about my plan. So our responsibility, it is to speak about God's plan for salvation of everyone who's a sinner and have no way out of sin. So from the beginning, God is calling the church to speak up and be aggressive about the fact that we must speak about the gospel. It is our responsibility, it's our job, it is up upon us the fact that we must understand that speaking about the gospel is the number one thing that we should all do. When, when we speak about the church, there, there are a couple of terms or, or, or titles given to the church that we tend to use a lot. Like, for example, uh, the body of Christ. Or, or uh, when, we, when we look at, at the church, we, we say something like the bride of Christ, the one that awaits Jesus. And those titles are good because it describes a relationship between us and God. But there are also other titles like the light of the world, the salt of the earth, that do not specify a relationship, but it actually describes a responsibility or an action. Because it is the light that dissipates the darkness. It is the salt that changes the seasoning. It is impossible for you to put salt in something and not receive what the soul brings. Oh, I'm, I'm already preaching. <laughs> it is impossible to turn a light on in the middle of darkness and darkness to stay there. So wherever you have the church, the church is called to impact the world, to change the world, to establish a new direction, So by nature, the church is called to transform and impact wherever the church is. But then we look at our reality and we have to wonder if that is true, are we? And I, I truly believe that one of the problems that we have is the fact that the church has become too passive. The church has forgotten the fact that we are supposed to transform We are supposed to set trends, not follow trends. We are supposed to tell society what to do, but we have fallen into doing what society says we ought to do. And I think the challenge of us is understanding that as a church, we cannot be passive. The same God that called us unto salvation, the same God that called us into sanctification is also the same God to, that called us to speak up about the things that he has established about the kingdom of heaven, 
about principles of life. Why are we allowing society tell us how we should live our lives when we are supposed to be dictating the way of a true life? So, so when you think about that, you got to understand that the church is not called to be passive. And let me give you a little background to see if you could see it the same way I do. At the moment that Jesus establishes, <clears throat> establishes the church, he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I find that interesting because why would hell have gates? And, and you probably answer, well, because the gates actually mark entry points. But let's think about that for a second. Because the reality is gates don't mark entry points. If I actually take the gates off, it would be easier to enter that place. Will you agree? But gates got to have gates. And the only reason why you have gates is to protect yourself. You establish gates to keep people away that are coming to take advantage of anything that you may have inside of it. So the Bible says, and everywhere you look, you will find that hell has established a security system called gates. And it seems to me that Jesus is saying, the, hell, the, the gate of hell that protect them will not stop me from doing as a church Okay, I got, I got, maybe, maybe, maybe I got to say that in Spanish to see if we could understand. But it seems like Jesus is saying, listen to me, I will establish a church that will be attacking hell and hell is protecting itself, but the gates that protect hell will not stop me from calling out my child out of hell will not stop me from calling out my marriage out of hell, will not stop me from calling out my health. Hell, you have declared authority over my children, but as a church, I now declare that I take my children back from hell and get it out of there because he... So... I, I want to I wanna calm myself down a little, but I, I get excited about the fact that it is the church that stands in an offensive manner, not in a defensive way. Let me say one more. The Bible says that grab the shield of faith so that way you could stop the fiery darts that the enemy sends your way. That sounds scary, but let's think about it for a second. It doesn't say... Put the shield of faith on you or carry it because the, the enemy will stab you. He says he will throw fiery darts from far away. If the enemy needs to throw fiery darts to me, it's because he's not too close to me to stab me. So why is he far away from me? Because he's scared of me. Oh boy. Yeah. But then the church has taken a defensive mode of saying, oh my God, please protect us from the enemy. We cannot speak too loud because they're going to get angry. We cannot say anything to them because they're going to think that we are. But God has called the church to be an aggressive church, 
to dare to, to fight against the enemy and say, I will pull out of hell every drug addict, every prostitute, every gangbanger from our Oconee County and Anderson County because we believe that God has given the authority to the church to stay and stand the ground and fight for that. I truly believe that a passive church full of people that are waiting for the enemy to attack will never experience the fullness of power of God in our lives. But those that dare to be aggressive are definitely people that will see God moving in their midst. So I believe the enemy is afraid of us. And I believe that we are called to do something. So after saying all of that, let me start my message. <laughs> oh, you thought I was preaching already. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but that is the reason why I got so excited when I heard about the opportunity to speak about this. I got excited because the reality is that on spin-off, it gives me the opportunity to search the Bible, find what is happening, find someone in there that we can learn from to take a stand and be used by God. And I found that in the book of Jonah and... Uh, In the book of Jonah, we, we definitely see a few characters that are interesting. You know, there is Jonah, but who wants to talk? There's a fisherman, but who wants to talk? About? There's Nineveh. But the reality is that we're always talking about Jonah, the fisherman, or Nineveh. But there is someone else that I want to speak to you about. I found someone or something Well, someone, well, okay, why don't we go into the Bible and take a look at what it says. Look at what it says in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Let's see if you see it the way I saw it. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Let me take a break to worship God right here. The sailors were overstruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Do you see it? Let me, let, let's recap the story. So, so God speaks to Jonah and says, go to Nineveh. And as Pastor Kevin spoke to us a few weeks ago, uh, instead of going in the right direction, Jonah goes in the wrong direction. He refused to go to Nineveh. So he gets in a on a boat or on a ship and, and God sends a powerful storm and the fishermen cannot save Jonah. They cannot do anything about it. So they go ahead and throw him in the water and there it is. Yes! The big fish! You know, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you're just as excited as I am, but, but can I speak about the big fish for a second? We don't ever talk about the big fish, but the reality is that there's some principles we can learn from the big fish to understand what it is to be used by God and how we should respond to God's calling upon our life. We read in verse 17 something that is important. It says, now the Lord had arranged. You, you know, NIV says, the Lord provided. And, and, and King James actually says, the Lord had prepared. And that tells me 
that the big fish didn't choose to be in this plan. He was spoken to and invited into God's plan and said, and God said to the big fish, get ready because I'm about to do something great, but I need you for something that I'm about to do with you. And let me, let me say this before I make a mistake and instead of big fish, I say whale. I grew up in church, as you know, going to Sunday school. And remember those that grew up in Sunday school? The teacher always drew a big fish and that fish always looked like a whale. So we all called it whale. So before the theologians start going crazy, like, oh, he said whale, that's not whale. You know, the reality is it could have been a goldfish. And the God I serve is strong enough to make a goldfish big enough so Jonah could fit in it. So, so I'm sorry, but that's the God I praise. You know, a God that, that would transform a goldfish in... Okay, I, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there, but, but, the, but the reality is that the, the, the big fish was invited into, a, into God's plan. And, and for me, it's important to understand there was no good for the big fish to be part of this plan. No purpose whatsoever. The reality is that, that the fisherman would have been safe from the storm Uh, Jonah would have been saved from dying. Nineveh would have been saved from their sin. But what about the, the big fish? No reason whatsoever for the whale, for the goldfish, for, for the fish um, to be used in a plan that God had for him, but the Bible for it. But the Bible actually says that then God spoke to the big fish and said, Go vomit uh, Jonah. Nineveh. God. Wait, God spoke to it. I'm so glad some of you were not the big fish. Because can you imagine a conversation between God and you? And God is calling you and saying, hey, I, I, I need you. Here's the instructions. And imagine the big fish saying, wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's talk about that plan for a second. So you're saying that I need to hang around this boat, but not hit them, just hang around them. Because at one point, they're going to throw in a man that you want me to swallow. Okay, wait, wait. <laughs> so you want me to swallow him, but not eat him? <laughs> really? So, so you want me to swallow him and keep him in my stomach for three days? And then you want me to swim all the way to Nineveh? And when I get to Nineveh, you want me to agitate my stomach and vomit. If he was one of you, you would say, but why? I, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. I, why would you ask me to do that? You see, I got a life. I, I was hanging around a new girlfriend, you know. I was watching everybody else and... And, and, and <laughs> But the Bible says that the fish obeyed. And I find that really interesting because when we put it on us and apply it to us, one of the things that we got to learn from the big fish is how to respond when God wants to use us. And it is amazing that for some of us, we struggle to accept God's calling The, let me let me rephrase that. We struggle to accept the honor 
of being called by God to be part of a plan. How, how, how does that make sense? That such a mighty God, such a powerful God, such a strong God will choose to make you part of his plan, but you are too busy to say yes to him. For me, I, I believe that part of it is the fact that we struggle because we see being used by God as something that we do when the lights are on on the big stage with a microphone on and you're preaching, but you don't want to commit to that. But you see, I believe that when God is speaking about being used by us or, or us being used by him, when, when God is inviting us to be part of the original plan, He's not expecting us to have a microphone on to be on stage and preaching to everybody. He's expecting you to preach to the people that you have around you. He's expecting you to, for you to let the co-workers know that you serve a mighty God that has saved you and he wants to save him too. Pastor Greg threw a question at us that I don't know if you are like me, but I'm still thinking about that. A few weeks ago as he was speaking, he said... If you were going to be judged for being a Christian, will they find enough evidence that you are one? And the reality is that question should be still be in our heads because is it really, does my wife really believe that I'm a Christian? Are my children following Christ because they see in me a, a great example of who God is? And let me share with you four things that I believe we could learn from the big fish. Number one, if you want to be used by God, you have to be available. You cannot be too busy in your own life. You cannot be doing things that, that you think are important. The reality is that God is not looking for you to approve his plan for your life. He's just inviting you. God is not looking for questions from you or doubt from you. He just wants you to say yes. You could choose to say no. But questioning God's plan and doubting God's plan will never get you anywhere. God will never use you when you take a stand of questioning every single step he invites you to be part of. He wants you to say yes and step up and accept his calling and he will only use you when you are available. The second thing that I believe we could learn from the big fish is you need to understand that his plan might benefit others more than you. And I believe this is part of some of our struggles. When we're talking about being used by God, you dream about the big stage, the doing the great things where God prospers you and And everybody's listening to you. And, and you always put yourself in a position where you think being used up by God will actually be something that everybody's going to admire and look after. But the reality is that there are moments where God is inviting you for something simple. When you and I understand that being part of God's plan is not about saving you, he already said, has done that. But the plan that God has is also saving those that are around you. So we have to embrace the fact that sometimes God will use us to benefit others more than he will benefit me. How can I be used by you, God? Here is where I lay. 
We, we, we were just singing it really loud a few minutes ago. But what if that plan doesn't bless us? What if that plan doesn't prosper us? What if that plan that I think God is inviting me to, I will never preach, but I will help the young man or woman that will preach later. I may never sing, but I will pay for the classes for that person to learn how to sing. When we embrace the fact that sometimes God will actually use us to benefit others and not to benefit ourselves. You know, I don't know if I could say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'll ask for forgiveness at the end. But most of us are only used by God in the church building. And I got to tell you, being used by God among good people who love God and wants to live by biblical, that's easy. That's really easy. But stepping away from the four walls into a community that doesn't like you, doesn't want you, they don't think much of you, and you still are speaking about salvation to their soul. A co-worker that doesn't necessarily agree with you, but you are still preaching to them. That's a whole different animal. But I truly believe that when you embrace the calling of God, you respond because you don't care about yourself, but you understand that the benefit of others is what God wants to use. And when God wants to save people, he uses you. The third thing we should learn from the big fish is you have to be willing to accept the struggles. I got to tell you... Being used by God is amazing. I, let, me, let me say this. I, a young man, young woman, being used by God, there's nothing better than to know that God in his mercy and grace have chosen me to speak his word. My God, yes. But it's not easy. It's a struggle. It's hard. It's hard to be excited about God every single time when he's telling you to do things you don't really want to do. When he's taking you to places that you really don't want to go. When he's taking you to speak to people that you really don't want to speak. Jonah struggled, but before we judge him, let's think about us. The reality is that sometimes it's hard. Because you put in your heart, God, my next step. I'm about to enter my new season. Please take me to a big city where everything is near me. Where I will enjoy the big city. And God says, no, 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 Ramfis. You're going to Seneca, South Carolina. It's not. <laughs> Now you know why I thank you so much, right? You made it a lot easier. But it is hard to say yes to God. It is hard. It's a struggle to know that God wants to do something that you don't want to do. But if you don't accept that. You will never be used by God. Let me tell you something that you may not like, but the reality is that your plans, your desires, your dreams about your own life do not matter to God when God wants to use you. Some of you need to accept that as truth and understand that God doesn't care about how happy you feel when he wants to use you. It's about His purpose. Oh, some of you are upset already. I see people walking out. <laughs> Because you
you see, we've been told for so long, you are a star. You are a superhero. You are, mm, you are Abraham that's whose seed will be blessed. You are David who defeated Goliath. Mm. But the reality is you're not a superhero. You're not. And if you want God to use you, you got to understand the struggles that come with it is part of the game. And how God will depend on you or not will depend on your ability. What is it that you say? To take a licking? No. To kick? What is it? To take a licking and keep on ticking, right? I don't know what that means, but, but, but you should know. I Googled that and I even forgot how to say it, man. I cannot believe it. But listen, if you are somebody who quits on every single step because it's too hard, it's too struggle, I pass I don't want to do that. God will never call you to be used. But if you stand when the enemy rises up and you understand, devil, you're throwing darts because you're afraid of me. But I will take a stand where God has called me to be and I will respond and take authority. God will only depend on people who are not afraid of anything, who will know their place and will know that doesn't matter what comes against me. There is a God that has called me. And, and the last thing, time is flying. So last thing I want you to learn, we should learn from the big fish, is that what you did will be forgotten by many. Ooh, that's a hard one. Because you worked so hard and they gave thanks to everybody and they expressed their appreciation, but they didn't mention my name. How, how many of you have done something for somebody and a month after they don't even know who you are? Well, I want you to know the big complex. I mean, pastors pay thousands of dollars to our therapists just to help us through this. <laughs> Golly. Why are they saying amen, amen to a, a visitor who's preaching? And why so? I've been saying that 300 times and they don't ever say amen to me. <laughs> Pastors, I had to say that. But <laughs> the reality is that no one will care what you do and you have to be okay. Because as I said, you're not the hero of your own movie. You're not the David. You're not the Abraham. You are not the Moses. You are not the Daniel. And let me tell you, you are not the three Hebrew young men. I find interesting the topic of spin-off because in your own movie, you are already a spin-off. The apostle Paul understood that and said, for me to live is Christ. Whew. He said, my life doesn't matter. My dreams don't matter. Nothing that I care for matters because the most important thing in my life is Jesus. And then he adds and says, and even if I were to die, I gain because I will be with him for eternity. So I don't care what you throw at me. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care if you remember me or not. I will say yes to God and be used by God because the, the, the hero of my movie is called Jesus. Jesus is the Abraham whose seed will be blessed. Jesus is the David that fought against the enemy that was trying to destroy us. Jesus is the center 
of my own movie. I'm just a spin-off that I need to accept. I'm not important even in this life. And before you get too frustrated and cry over my message, <laughs> let me remind you what a great honor would be. What an amazing honor it is to be a spin-off of a movie where Jesus is the main character. What a great honor for us to surrender our lives and say, Lord, all my dreams are in your hands. Show up and show off even within my life. But in order for you to do that, you need to make a decision. And you need to ask yourself, am I ready to be used by God? God is doing something in Foothills. God is doing something in our campuses. But do I, am I ready to say yes to God and be used by God? I want to pray for us all. But before I do that, let me send it back to Pendleton with Pastor Joseph so he could take care of it. Say goodbye to them and we'll see you soon. But I want to ask you for, for a second to think about you. Have you said yes to God? I know we all want to be used, but can we take these four principles and do as the big fish did? Obey him without questions, without hesitation, just saying yes. And if you have been in church for a long time and you struggle with this and you don't know what God can use you for, or maybe he hasn't used you for a long time, maybe today is the day for you to get back to that. And if you've been visiting for just a few weeks and don't, don't even understand how God can use somebody like you, this is the moment where you surrender everything to him. But if you're visiting for the first time or just, just been hanging around us but have never taken the step to accept Jesus, this could be a good, a good opportunity because he brought you here for a reason. So help us pray. Father God, we come to you. We come to you because we want to accept you, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior as our Lord and Savior. I want to declare that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Bring me close to you and use me. Lord, I pray for those that for the first time have proclaimed you their Lord. Help them understand what it is to be used by you. The honor that it is to be part of your plan. And those of us, God, that have been part of your kingdom and part of your family forever, but we have forgotten what it is to be used by you and the things that we must do, bring us back and give us the opportunity to serve you every single day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.